0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. A couple of weeks ago or so, I preached to you that now was the hour of the church. We were talking about the things that are to come, the things that now rely on us, uh, that we are going to do. We, We don't have all those other supports and all those other things to get in our way, distractions that are coming. Back in the time of Israel, God sent prophets, God sent judges, God sent his people anointed with his word to make the clarion call, trouble is coming, it's time to repent, it's time to get serious. And I want to tell you today that across this land and across this work, God is sending his people, he's sending his prophets. I'm not one of them, I'm just, I'm relaying, I'm a relaying kind of a guy, I'm just a little pastor, a little guy. But God is using his people right now. The clarion call is going out. If you wondered when it was going to happen, if you thought this would ever be the day, I'm not telling you the rapture is happening tomorrow. But what I'm saying is that I'm listening to pastors and preachers and prophets and ministers across this nation and around the world. And they're putting out the clarion call that now is the time. I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. I'm going to talk to you this morning about giving. Oh boy, here we go. Giving, the hour of decision. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about standard giving because at least once in a while we want to refresh our thoughts on that and it's really important. I told you just a little while ago that this church has been fantastic in 2020. You've given faithfully. You've given courageously in some situations, sacrificially I'm sure, and we've done some wonderful things. We're growing the kingdom. We're giving outwardly and God is blessing us inwardly. Can anybody see it? Can anyone say amen? Is anybody that is there an amen in the house for someone who said, man, I gave this year and God just returned the blessings over and over again beyond what I could do. I can tell you, I can say it. I can say it in honesty. Four people said yes. Amen. All right. I'm just kidding. It's important. It's been a great year of giving. Probably the best I've seen since I've been on board. And God has blessed us mightily. Our saints are just generous, and it's so wonderful. We've got a lot of work to do. The kingdom needs its help, and we use it in every way we can, and we'll continue to do that. So I'm going to talk just for a moment before I throw the curveball. I'm going to talk for just a moment on the basics of giving. Let's just say as a refresher. Scripture talks to us about tithes, talks talks to us about offerings, and it talks to us about alms. There are three separate forms of giving. Now, I promised you that every opportunity we have, something that comes along, I'm going to give the church the opportunity to give, give from your heart, give as God moves on you to give. I'm not going to stand up here every Sunday and beat you over the head and constantly ask you for money. That's not the way it's going to work. And I'm not going to allow a narrative to go out from this church that, oh, that's one of those money churches, that pastor, all he ever talks about is money. No, no, sir. No, But if there's a pastor who's getting ready to build an orphanage in the Philippines to save hundreds and hundreds of children over the years that are dying in the streets eating garbage, and we have a chance to minister to that community to help to build that orphanage, that's what we did with Brother Mallory. We gave generously. Over $5,000 came from this church to help him finish that building. Now, I want the people who say, God moved on my heart, I want to give generously to that, and I'm going to enjoy that. God promises blessing for that. And those that didn't feel it, those that don't have it, those that want to, pray, give in another way. That's okay, but I'm going to give the opportunity because as we give to the kingdom, as we give as God moves on us to give from our bounty and from what what he's given us, he'll just keep doubling it down and blessing us, right? So the word talks about these three forms of giving, tithes, offerings, and alms. Tithe this is your 10%. It's, and people argue about that. Oh, it's not in the New Testament. God says give of your heart and all that kind of stuff. I preached on that last year. I'll give you the CD if you want it. But it talks about the first fruits. Tithe, meaning the word 10 10%, a tenth is what the word tithe comes from. It's all over scripture uh, in terms of other ways. It discusses first fruits. When, the, when their money wasn't money, it was, it was corn and, and other plants that they grew out of the ground. They gave of their first fruits. They gave of that 10% as the minimum. That's just your basic requirement. The church, the body needs that cash, that fluid money going through. I'm just being honest and direct with you. The power company, believe it or not, likes it when we get, give them money to take care of all these lights and the heat that you're feeling right now, right? The mortgage company, they kind of want their money back that they paid for the construction people to build this building. Those are all the basics. That's all the simple stuff. We've got a wonderful staff here at Abundant Life that are working their tails off to get things done. They get a salary. They have to support their families, right? So that's all the basic stuff. That's the minimums. And I'm not going to dive too far into that. Offerings are your free will giving for needs, things that come up when we have a Brother Mallory or a Brother Harris or Tupelo Children's Mansion and you feel God move on you and say, man, I want to be a part of that. There were wonderful souls in this congregation that when that opportunity came up and, I, and, and we talked about the bus, remember the bus? And I said, well, here's what we owe on it. We owed $9,000 on it. And a few folks got together that heard about it and said, I'll give. One person paid almost the whole thing. And we were able to donate that, the children's Tupelo Mansion. That's wonderful. That's offering. That's that free will thing that we do. Say, God, you've blessed me with so much. I'm just going to go ahead and give back to the kingdom. And then He'll bless you again. You just can't outgive Him. He, I can't keep up with God. I love giving to those opportunities of my time, my treasure, my talents, and my abilities. And God just keeps giving me more, giving me more, giving me things, giving me health and wonderful friends and wonderful family and a wonderful church. I can't keep up with Him. It's wonderful to be in that place. And then finally, alms. Sacrificial giving. Maybe it's that giving that hurts just a little bit. Like, oh, I really wanted to buy that new whatever. But I see a need, and I'm going to sacrifice. Maybe it's going to tighten us up a little bit this week, but I really feel like i got to give. I want to tell you that it's in the sacrificial giving. The sacrificial giving is where the miracles happen. The miracle's for you and the miracle's for me. We've got three great examples in Scripture. I'm not going to dive into them right now, but one of them is the widow with the two mites. Remember the woman that came and she gave her two mites. It's all she had. She gave everything, sacrificially gave, and God honored her more so than those that were giving freely of what they had in their abundance. She was a widow. Look at this one, Elisha and the woman with the flask of oil in 2 Kings chapter 4. That's all she had, one flask of oil, She was going to just, she had nothing. She was in debt. The debtors were coming after her. And he says, no, no, get these vessels and gather vessels together. And he blessed her. Remember the story. And the oil kept pouring out pouring out. Oil in, in scripture, in this particular case, in the literal world, oil is literally money. It was valuable. And she had that one flask of oil. He told her to pour it out. She poured it out. And they started gathering more vessels to the point where there were no more vessels to fill. And it just kept on pouring until the vessels were full. And they couldn't have any other place to go with it. But oil, as you know, also represents the Holy Ghost in Scripture. See, that's where the miracles happen in your sacrificial giving, that opportunity to give something that's so deeply more meaning. How about the widow of Zarephath? Elijah meets this woman. Her and her son have nothing left, a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and she's about to just make her last cake, and in her words, we're just going to eat this cake and die. We're at the end of our time. What does Elijah do? tells her, no, don't save it, make the cakes. Because of the oil. Now what's significant about that is each one of those cases, it was a widow. Why is that? Over 81 times the scripture talks about widows. It's significant in this scripture in terms of giving. Widows are representative of a good truth without fully being connected to God. In other words, a widow in reality is a woman without a husband, the, woman's, the husband's passed away. Well, in Bible times, uh, that's the person who created, provided sustenance, very unusual, very rare for the woman to be a breadwinner in the house. And so if she's a widow, she's got no income. Maybe she goes, goes and does a little work, sweeps a house, gets a little cup of mites thrown at her here and there. But it's usually a place of destitution. My husband has died, I'm here with my children and I have Nothing. Come on, somebody relate to me to the time when you met Jesus Christ. You were a widow in the world. You, did, you had truth. You had something there that God was calling you, but you just didn't have that husband. You didn't have that connection to the husband. You know God is the bridegroom, right? Am I missing everybody? We're the bride and he's the bridegroom. Well, right now we're widowed. And coming to God, we're the widow that doesn't have anything, but we've got the oil. You see, sacrificial giving is where the miracles happen. Someday we'll be reconnected with the bridegroom. We won't be widows anymore. But again and again and again through scripture, God uses that. So it's not accidental that in those three cases, He used the example of the widow. It's us. And when that widow gave in and gave sacrificially, gave her two mites, gave her flask of oil, gave her last bit of flour and made a cake, sacrificed everything, she was literally looking at dying. She said, We're going to eat this cake and we're going to die. I can't, can you imagine? I can't give this. Sorry, Elijah, Elijah excuse me. Sorry, Elijah, I can't give this. It's the last one we have. Get out of my house. To the man of God. But the man of God said, no, widow woman. Do this sacrificially and God will bless you. And out came the pouring of the oil. And he gave and he gave and he gave. Right? Am I, if I got everybody, you guys following me? See, the oil never runs out. God's blessing never runs out. We can't outgive him. We can't outdo him. And so I'm planting a seed here for today before I throw, get into my curveball. Think about your 2021. Stay faithful to the word, it's all over. Malachi chapter three and eight, the so one that we go to all the time. You can turn to it with me if you want to. It's so the one that we refer, reference all the time. Will a man of rob, excuse me. Well, the man robbed God. Three and eight through eleven. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? How did I rob you, God? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. God says, test me, try it, just give me that one shot, and I'm going to show you what I can do saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, there were not enough vessels to hold all of the oil that kept pouring out of that one sacrificial flask. And he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. who's the devourer, the enemy, the one that says Every little slip, every little thing you don't dedicate, every little piece of money, every every bit of your wealth that you don't dedicate for a purpose just slips away. Everybody, everybody ever look at your checking account and say, "Where does it all go?" Why? I, I know we get paid, we make good money, but it seems like we never have nothing. Any everybody ever been there? Oh, I was there. I've been there. The devourer eats it away. But he says, for your sakes, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit for the the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. It's a great promise. Well, that's Old Testament, pastor. That doesn't apply to the New Testament. Yeah, we'll talk someday about that. But it's all about sowing and reaping. And you've heard me preach it before. Everything that you do, every step that you take, every single day, you're planting seeds in the ground of some kind. Sometimes you're planting good seeds and sometimes we make mistakes, we slip up, we do something a little little off... Kilter and We plant a bad seed, but the promise and the law, just like gravity is a law, it is going to happen. You will reap what you sow, what you say, and what you do, and how you operate, and when you sow things that are bountiful and pleasing to God, at some point, those things are going to start to spring up, and you're going to reap that bounty. It might ha- happen right now. No farmer takes a seed and puts it in the ground and stands there, and it whoop, pops up, and now you just walk away with it you got to put things in the ground now. They're going to come up a week from now, in two weeks from now, and a year from now, maybe five years from now. Maybe those prayers for that loved one that you've put into the ground every single day for years is finally going to come to fruition. And down the road, that seed's going to pop up out of the ground. God's going to speak into their hearts, and they're going to say, you know what, I want to get baptized. I want to go to that Bible study. The law of sowing and reaping, it doesn't change. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I didn't make all this up. I actually got it from the word right here. 2 Corinthians chapter nine. Starting at verse six says this. It says, the point, I'm reading out of the ESV, by the way. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Remember, God said, test me, prove me, and I'll show you. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. Did anybody notice the little things on the buckets this morning? I made those with my wife's Christmas present, the little cricket machine. (laughs) Figured out how to program it, made little stickers. I'm for hire. God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, it's about the heart. It's about what's in your heart to do. So remember a little while ago I said, I'm not going to pound you over the head and make you give, give, give. You're not giving enough. You're not doing enough. I'm going to give you the opportunity to give and let God move on your heart and let you do what you feel that God has led you to do. I'm just giving you the principle and the word. There's some numbers in there that he does expect of us. There are other places, by the way, that God uses words that indicate things that are like a tithe. You know why God doesn't say give $500 a week? Because some people don't make enough to give $500 a week, Right? It's a percentage simply because it's based on whatever you have is equal to the next person. It's a measure of equality from person to person. That's why he says 10%. You see? Now, there are other places in Scripture, and one of these days I'm going to get a hold of a couple pieces and share them with you. For example, the word long is not a measure in a number. It means something different. We'll go on from there. He says, God loves a cheerful giver, and in verse 8, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may be abound in every good work. That's a lot of alls that he puts in that scripture. This is profoundly powerful, what Paul is teaching to the Corinthians. God is able to make All grace abound to you, not some, not a little, not a measure, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, in other words, everything you need, not a good chunk of what you need and there's some gaps and holes you've got to figure out how to fill, all sufficiency of what you need in all things at all times. I love that. All, all, all. How many know that we serve a God of completeness, a God of perfection, a God that goes all the way, the extra mile? He does what he says. The promises come true. <laughs> Most of you, if not all of you, including myself, could stand up here and for hours give testimony of how God did it all the way. When my son, my, my youngest son, was born, I was told, He's gonna die, or he's gonna be profoundly mentally impaired, or a vegetable altogether. God healed him all the way. He is perfectly healthy. He is strong. He is capable. He is intelligent. God did it all the way, all things complete. It's the promise that we can stand on. But you know something we don't talk a whole lot about or enough? What about God? What about His giving? He's, there's a lot of expectation in us about our giving, our tithing giving and our offering giving and our sacrificial giving and giving of our time at church, and giving of our abilities and our talents. right? We don't talk enough about what God gives and we should honor him for it. All of you know this scripture, Luke chapter 6 and 38. It's one of my favorites. Some of you can recite it without even opening your Bibles. Jesus said it. Give and it shall be given to you. Unto you, good measure. Meaning a faithful measure. That's a reference to the, to the merchants of the time when they would measure out things and they'd put their finger on the scale and they would play around with the weights and they would overcharge people and they would cheat them. Remember the money changers in the temple and the garbage they were doing? That happened all the time at this time. He said, "I will. Get, it's gonna be given to you, good measure. In other words, faithful, no lies, no finger on the scale, no cheating, no shorting you. It's good measure, complete. Press down. You ever go into a, to a coffee shop and see the barista and put that stuff in and take that pestle thing and jam it? in there they press it down they're going to press it down and shake it together why does he do that because it makes more room in the cup he's going to press it down in the bottom he's shaking it together and that creates more room so he can put more in there good measure shaken together pressed down and running over he doesn't stop at the top of the cup he doesn't say oh that's enough for you no I'm just going to keep it flowing over just like the widow with the oil in the vessel it just kept flowing and flowing and he keeps on giving running over shall men give into your bosom you know what that means they used to walk around with these special robes on and it was designed into their robes to have a pocket that was sort of like in the inside because there were thieves and people stealing stuff all the time you ever picture the middle east it's just lawlessness there's no police they didn't have you know they had a governor and they're all crooked and so these people had these robes where they put a pocket inside here big pocket that was the bosom pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom, into your pocket. They'll give back into you one way or the other. For with the same measure that you meet it with all, in other words, the way that you give it, how you give it, it shall be measured to you again. If you give strong and faithful and excited, man, Tupelo Children's Mansion needs some sponsorships. I'll take five. Give me more. I want to give to God because he just keeps giving back to me one way or the other. Woo! I love to give. But look at what the Word says. I'm going to roll through these fast. This is what the Word says, that God gives the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He shall give thee light. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. The Lord give thee understanding in all things. God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. He will give a crown of righteousness to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, he says. I will give them a crown of life to him that overcometh. Cometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. God will give you. You hear that? I will give you a mouth and other the words. Remember how many times I've said, God, open the door and give me the words. And every time he does it faithfully. That's that scripture right there. He will give you a mouth, the words and the wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay. They can't overcome you, they can't thwart you, they can't back you into a corner. The words that God gives you are pure and honest and true and anointed and powerful and nobody's gonna back you in a corner or double talk you over or set you a naught because he promises to give us that mouth and that wisdom. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, he says. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Whatsoever thou will also of God, God will give it thee, is a promise in the word. He shall give you another comforter, Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Listen to the giving that God gives. Have you ever tallied these up? Have you ever gone through the word and look at the places of the promises that God will give you? Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, Jesus said, he may give it you. I will give you the sure mercies of David, Jesus said. Give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I will give his life, he will give his life as a ransom for many. What a beautiful promise. He will give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. He will give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. He'll give you power to to, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There's another all for you. He'll give us day by day our daily bread. The word promises, is it your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Anybody feel heavy laden, labored, tired? He's gonna give you rest. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said to Peter, Peter gave them to us, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, he said. Give and give and give everywhere. How can we possibly outgive all of those promises, all of the things that He's gonna give us, is giving us every single day? I wanna give back. Here's how the enemy would like you to give He wants you to give up, He wants you to get tired. He wants you to look at this long road we've been walking on. Brother Brown, you talked about the road today and the pitfalls. The enemy wants you to get tired of that road. He wants you to pull off to the side. You made an excellent analogy that either side of the road is the world, right? (laughs) Broad is the way. It leads to the path of destruction and narrow the way and straight is the gate. Exactly. And so we've got to stay on that narrow road. He does The enemy wants us to get tired, pull over to the side, step off. Wow. People in the world are having so much fun. I want to get to that party. I want to give in. I want to give up because it's just too long. It's been too much. I've been here for years. That's what the enemy's kind of giving. He wants you to give. He wants you to give in. Give in to the temptations that are going to be thrown at you. The church in this final hour is going to be tempted and tempted and tempted. The enemy's going to come at you with every reason. Your pastor's an idiot. Get out of there. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He offended me. He said something wrong. He's got the Bible wrong. He's going to tempt you with things that are your favorite sin. He baits your hook with his favorite sin, my pastor used to say. The enemy wants you to give in. He wants you to give in to temptation, short-term relief, that worldly stuff that's surrounding you. Get involved with the people that you work with that are engaged in worldly things. Don't judge them. Don't hate them. Love them. Share the gospel. But the enemy wants you to give in to what they want to do. He wants you to give in to the idea that this is hopeless, that I can't make it. I fall all the time. I sin. I make mistakes. Again, I I have to honor Brother Brown just being vulnerable and honest that sometimes we fall, we make our mistakes. But Brother Brown, you're here every single service, faithful to God's house, loving him, sharing with him, being the wisdom that we need as a pillar of the church. Brother Kylie, faithful all the time, always serving, 43 years now, giving everything to God. Never giving in, never giving up, never tiring, always faithful. The enemy wants us to give out. My grandfather used to say, I'm old and give out. I can't play ball with you no more. My back's give out. It's an old southern term. Working on a goofy knee right now that's giving out on me. Got to go check that out. But giving out is exhausted failure. When you finally just give out Collapse, done But there's a poster on my wall in my office of A speech given by Vince Lombardi And the last part of that speech He talks about being bloodied and beaten and exhausted Lying on the field victorious There's no time to give out until the game is won The enemy wants us to give out But we're not going to We're not going to give out You don't have to give out You don't have to give up You don't have to give in Look at Hebrews chapter 10 Amazing words The writer of Hebrews in 10 and 35 Starts out this way He says cast not away Therefore your confidence What's he saying there Don't give in Don't give up don't cast away your confidence. Are you confident that the word of God is true and powerful and is faithful and that God will see you through? Yes. Don't cast away that confidence. Keep it, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Patience, again, it was mentioned this morning in our devotion time. Brother, Brother uh, Matson spoke on it in our Sunday service a couple of weeks ago you might receive the promise. He said, verse 37, for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. See, that's part of that clarion call. I believe the time is short and many do. He that will come is coming. I'm looking forward to that day, are you? Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, what is draw back? Giving up, pulling out, Given out. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. Amen? Everybody say, we are not. Of them who draw back. Amen. That was pretty hearty. Super excited. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know what that means? That means he got us started. But see, it's not for us to get out of the chute with Jesus and then just sort of trail off on the race without him and leave him behind. See, he's got to be the finisher of this race as well, the author. In the Greek, it literally means one that takes the lead in anything and thus stands as an example, a predecessor in a matter a pioneer, Jesus was the pioneer of this faith work that we're in, this walk that we're on. But sometimes, folks, and you know them, you can, you can think of them in your mind, they let Jesus be the author of their faith, but somewhere down the road, they decided that someone else is going to author their faith. Someone else will be the finisher of their faith. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's my friend that goes to a different church that makes it easier on me. Maybe it's the friend that teaches, tells me what I want to hear about the word of God and doesn't really want to be a part of those hard things in scripture, like the giving stuff that pastor talks about, and some of these other things related to holiness and, and all of that kind of stuff right they're letting somebody else be the finisher of their faith but I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is the author of my faith and the finisher of my faith I will endure to the end because I want him to be the finisher he got us started he needs to finish the word finisher in there in in the Greek reflection is a perfecter one who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection is what that phrase means he wants to bring us to perfection we are not going to be able to do that on our own and your friend that lives down the street that says, oh, your pastor's all wrong, he's got that word wrong, they're not the finisher either, and they're not perfect. Come on, amen? Revelation 1.8 tells us the same thing. It, It essentially reflects the same message. He's the alpha and the, he's the beginning and, that doesn't just mean the beginning of time and the end of time, the beginning of things, the beginning of the church, it means the beginning of you. He is the beginning and the ending of you and your walk. He is the Alpha and Omega of you and I personally. We've got to stay the course because he gets to finish. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, begun the good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, the finisher, you see? Look at Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 22. Excuse me, 10 and 22. It says this. It says, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. See, we're on the long run. We're on the ride. It's not a a sprint. It's a marathon. And he's our finisher. I'm talking about giving the hour of decision. See, yeah, we can give of our money and our sustenance and we should just do that. It should just be an automatic and for this church, for the most part, we saw that. We see that all the time. Your generosity abounds. It will need to continue to do so in order to forward the kingdom. But this giving, this hour of decision giving is going to be about whether you're going to allow him to be the finisher of your faith. Are you going to endure to the end? Are you going to hold on? Are you going to fight back the temptation of the enemy to give in, give up, give out, look at somebody, be offended, turn away. Listen to somebody else's doctrine, are you going to endure to the end? He says it again in Matthew 24 and 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That indicates to me that to, to the person who does not endure to the end, probably not saved. It's sort of like a reciprocal statement, you understand? Romans 2 and 7, Paul says to the Romans, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Patient continuance. We've got to keep giving and giving and giving of ourselves to God and this work and this walk. That's the hour of decision. Am I going to continue to give and allow God to be the author and finisher of our faith? You can stand this morning. Hebrews 3 and 14 goes on to say that for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast when unto the end. Hold your confidence steadfast. I promise you, church, we're going to be pushed, we're going to be pulled, we're going to be tempted. People will say things. People will do things. This pastor is going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall. I'm going to trip up. I'm going to neglect. I'm going to do my best to avoid that. Your friends, your neighbors, your bishop, your Sunday school teacher, you're, they're going to make mistakes. We're going to bump into one another. We're stupid blobs of flesh that just can't stop messing around with one another all the time in our idiosyncrasies, in our pride, in all the things that we struggle with. But I'm telling you today, determine in your heart, make it known, put the concrete in the ground that regardless of what I have, the word of God leads me to the right way and I'm going to endure to the end. We'll get exhausted. We'll be distracted. We'll be taxed and stressed. I promise you it's coming. And unfortunately, some, it's just reality, folks. Some are... (laughs) They're just going to give in. They're going to give out. They're going to let go of the train. They're going to listen to that other voice. Someone else is going to become their finisher. It's sad. It hurts. I think about ones that we've lost to that. But you heard Brother Treese say it here the other night. I've never heard prophecy preached that way in my entire life. Brother Rick Treese, Friday night, when he talked about the great falling away, it means departure. Blew me away. See, there's a departure that's coming for those that endure to the end. And there's a departure that's coming to those who don't. The origin of the word was apostasy. We've got to endure to the end. Determine in your heart today. I'm not going to be that one. If you're offended by somebody right now, if there's somebody that makes you angry, you believe that there's something going on, there's a lie that happened or some kind of situation, I guarantee you that the enemy is working it into your brain all the time, bringing it to your mind. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be offended. See, the Bible gives us a prescription for handling stuff like that, doesn't it? Right? Sister Missy gets really offended at something I said. She comes to me. She says, Pastor, I, I don't understand something you said. And it really concerns me because I'm worried about our relationship. And I said, what is that? She's, I'm making this up, by the way. This has not happened at all. She's, she's the sweetest person in the world. But then she says, I say, well, well, Sister Missy, what is it? What have I done? Well, the other day you said this and I, that kind of really hurt my feelings. And then, of course, my response is, get out of here. No. My response is, my goodness, Sister Missy. I am so sorry. I would never want to hurt you or do something that disappointed you or caused you to stumble. Please forgive me. What can I do? What can I do to make that up? Why, the devil hates that. See, the devil, See, the Bible prescribes that. We have all the answers. We have the pathway. We have the rules and the regulations and all the things that help us to get over those types of things. But the enemy would rather no, no, this time I'm righteous. This time I know what I'm talking about. This is different than that. This isn't one of those situations. This is the real deal. Pastor really said that. Mary said that. Fred told me. Fred told me that Mary said that he heard that Sue was in a room with Bob and Bob's next door neighbor said that he saw your pastor going into a bar and, you know, that was it. So it's truth. I read it on the internet. We gotta dig down deep, folks. I'm telling you, the clarion call is out. You have to listen to me on this. It's not mine. There's great men of God and women of God with tremendous wisdom and anointing and power. We saw some here during midwinter camp that are telling us, now is the hour of the church. Hold on, get your grip tight because he's gonna pull. He's gonna push, he's gonna tempt. He's going to try to break us up, tear us up, best up the family. But we've got to endure to the end. I'm going to close with this scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 11, and 12. It's one of my favorite scriptures of the Old Testament. It says, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift. Mm-mm. You don't have to be the fastest, best Christian in the world. The race is not, excuse me, the battle is not to the strong. You know why? Because Jesus is our speed and Jesus is our strength. You understand that, right? Nor the bread to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. In other words, the smart ones are the ones with with bread or the wisdom or intelligence or favor. They're not always the ones that win. But listen to what it says. It says, but time and chance happen to them all. This is why we don't take all glory for our wins and our successes. Why? Because there's there's one that's putting the wind in our sail. There's one that's fighting our battles ahead of us. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time. You see, those fish are unaware of those snares. They just swim into them, and that's how the fishermen... Into those nets, catch them. And the birds fly into those snares. They don't see them. They don't see them on the ground. They don't don't know. And so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. You know when the susceptibility for something like that is to happen to you? Is when you're in the process of giving up, when you're in the process of backing off, or giving in, or giving out that's when the evil snare is laying on the ground waiting for you the evil net is there waiting just to fall on you 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 weren't aware you didn't feel like you were doing anything wrong I'm just backing off I'm listening to Fred down the street I've got an offense that's really real I'm going to hold on to this you see your pride is leading you into that but we're blind to it and then it suddenly falls the clarion call is out it's the hour of decision Decide in your hearts today, I'm not doing it. I'm not giving up my my heavenly gift. I'm not giving up my promise. I'm not giving up the blessings of God. I'm not giving up my family. I'm not going to destroy all that I have that God has promised for anybody or anything ever in Jesus' name. Lord, we're thankful, God, for your word today, Jesus. We hear your call, Lord. We know that the time is coming. We'll be tested and tried. Maybe some of us are already going through something right now. We're being pulled away, talked to, deceived. Maybe there's offenses. Maybe there's things that have hurt us and tore us up. We're struggling with it. We can't communicate. We don't know what to do. We never say what we mean. We never mean what we say. We struggle and we fall. But God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, reveal in my heart, Lord, things that are displeasing to you. Reveal the things that need to be repaired. God, help us to hold on, not to give up or give in and give out, but just continuously give of ourselves to you and to your kingdom and to your purpose, God, giving relentlessly so that the enemy can't catch us in that snare. I pray a blessing upon this congregation today. Lord, bind us together like never before. Prepare us, Lord. I believe that we're going to be awesome. I believe, God, that we're going to be a beacon in the light, in the night. We're going to be that shining hill. We're going to be that place, that refuge, that ark, that last ark. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262. 262- nine six five five one seven seven or email us at info at abundant dot org.